Welcome to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, where we cut through the confusion and get down to the truth about what really works for real people when it comes to losing weight, having incredible health, and a body that you love. We believe that losing weight is really about gaining life, doing things you never thought you could, having renewed confidence, and enjoying your body more than ever. I'm your host, Corey Little. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to all of you incredible people who are smart enough to listen to this podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. We are going to jump right in as we normally do. I originally planned to cover in this episode my three other core nutritional supplements that I take on a daily basis because if you've been listening to the podcast on the last episode, you know that I covered multivitamins and I said that I was going to cover the four nutritional supplements that I normally take on a daily basis. Well, multivitamins was one of them, and then I had these grand ideas that I would cover all three in this episode, but I just couldn't squeeze it all into one episode. <laughs> Actually, I only got one into this episode. I di Here's the thing, guys. I didn't want to just sling a bunch of stuff out there at you. I want you to understand enough of the reasoning and science behind certain nutrients and certain supplements so that you can make your own decision. So that you can decide if a certain product or nutrient might be a good fit for you. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. That's why we're taking these supplements, these nutrients, much more in depth. And I'm not just going through two or three or four in one episode, okay? Today we're going to discuss omega-3s. But before I get into that, I want to go over a little bit more about the multivitamin. I know I've already covered this, but there's some more interesting data that I found since recording that episode. So when the highly respected Dr. John Berardi was working on his PhD at the University of Western Ontario, one of his jobs, one of the things he did he, was that he analyzed detailed dietary analysis from hundreds of students for three years straight. And here's what he said about that experience. He said, over the course of three years and over 500 exercise and nutrition students, so you would probably think, this is me talking, not Berardi, you would probably think that exercise and nutrition students are pretty, you know, they're pretty cognizant of, of what they're eating. Of You know, they're kind of paying attention. Sure, they're young, they're students, but they're exercise and nutrition students. So this is something that, you know, they're, they're kind of thinking about. So he says, over the course of three years and over 500 exercise and nutrition students, it was my experience that very, very few of them achieved 100% of the recommended intake of all the macro and micronutrients. In general, only about 10 to 15% of them met all of their dietary needs. The other 85 to 90% were deficient in one or more key nutrients, whether it was zinc, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, or protein. Interestingly, in my hunt above, I found an interesting study published in 2006. This study published in the Journal of International in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition corroborated my experience perfectly. Here's what the researchers found. 70 diets were computer analyzed from the menu of athletes or sedentary subjects seeking to improve the quality of micronutrient intake from food choices. Micronutrients, guys, just a quick little reminder, that's vitamins and minerals, basically, okay? So they were seeking to improve the quality of micronutrient intake from food choices. They were doing what researchers say you should do, like get all your vitamins and minerals from food. All of these dietary analyses fell short of the recommended 100% RDA micronutrient level from food alone. 
In other words, over 70 diets were analyzed from individuals who were actively trying to improve their nutritional intake, and not a single one even achieved the minimum micronutrient suggested by the ADA. Again, my friends, <laughs> the moral of the story, it might be a really good idea to take a basic multivitamin, multimineral supplement. Okay, now enough about multivitamins. On to this episode. As I said earlier, there are four foundational core supplements that I believe in and that I take on a daily or weekly basis. We covered multivitamins in the last episode. Today, we're discussing something that you've probably seen in the news or heard about or read a lot about, omega-3 fatty acids. Now, before I move forward, I know I don't have to. I'm, I'm assuming I don't have to, but I'm throwing it out there. The disclaimer, look, what I'm sharing in this podcast episode or in any episode for that matter is not intended to replace the advice of trained medical professionals. All matters regarding your health require medical supervision. And I encourage you to consult a physician prior to taking any supplements or adopting any specific nutrition habits. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into it. Omega-3s. Let's do a quick little omega-3 introduction. And the first thing that we need to know is that omega-3s are a type of fat. Wait, Corey, I thought fats were bad for you, and I thought omega-3s might be good for you. I'm confused. Guys, you've heard me say it. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you're advanced enough to know. Fats are not the enemy. Carbs are not the enemy. There is no enemy. Our enemy is being un in unbalanced. Imbalanced? Unbalanced? Our enemy is being out of balance <laughs> with so many things in our life, and you're going to see that as we move through and discuss omega-3s. So omega-3s are a type of fat. So let's start kind of at the top here, and, and then we'll kind of narrow things down. Let's start at the top with fat overall. There are essentially three kinds of fat. Saturated fat, monounsaturated fat, and polyunsaturated fat. Now, there is another category of fat called trans fat. Those are fats that are man-made, and they are no bueno. They are no good for you, they, but we're not even including those in our discussion here. Trans fats, not good, man-made. Not a good thing, okay? Let's focus our discussion on saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated. Now, the initial knee-jerk reaction most of us have seen or read or heard, oh, saturated fats are bad. That's, oh, that's bacon and cheese and hamburgers and all the things that I love to eat, right? And that's really bad for me. And that's really not the case. Actually, all three types of fat are important, and they all have their special role to play if you want optimal health. We need all three, yes, even saturated fat. Our body thrives on a balanced intake of all three. A, a real simple goal is just to have one-third of our fats come from each. One-third of our fat from saturated, from mono, and from poly. But the balancing doesn't stop there. If we dig deeper, so we started with just the broad category of fat, and then we went, okay, wait a minute. Within the broad category of fat, there are three different types. Saturated monounsaturated, polyunsaturated. Okay, now let's dig down a little deeper. There are actually different subsets, different types of saturated fat, different types of MUFAs and PUFAs. <laughs> That's just short for monounsaturated fatty acids and polyunsaturated fatty acids. Now this is where omega-3s come in, okay? The two types of polyunsaturated fats are omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. Most people think polyunsaturated fats just overall, like polyunsaturated fats are good for us and saturated fats are bad, like we mentioned earlier. 
And that's true if someone is eating way too many saturated, way too much or way too many saturated fats and not enough polyunsaturated. It can be true in that situation. But what's really often the case is just like we want a balance between saturated mono and poly, we also need a balance on a deeper level. We need to strive for a balance between the polyunsaturated fats, which are omega-3 and omega-6. We need that balance between those two also. And that's primarily what we're going to discuss in today's episode, because this is how we determine whether or not an omega-3 supplement is a good idea. We need a balance between omega-3 and omega-6. Now, as you can imagine, <laughs> this rarely happens. Like many things with a typical American diet or Western diet, we are out of balance. When our O6 to O3, I'm just going to use that as an abbreviation, okay, guys? O6, that's omega-6, and O3, obviously, that's omega-3. When our O6 to O3 ratio is out of whack, meaning we typically have too much omega-6 and not enough 3, this can change the way our cells react, the cells inside your body react, and it can have harmful effects on cells in your heart and blood vessels. Now, that's not cool, and it sounds kind of scary, but there's another nasty problem when we're getting too much six and not enough three, and that is inflammation. According to research from the Biosciences Institute that was published in the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism, they say this, too much omega-6 and too little omega-3 could potentiate inflammatory processes and consequently predispose you to or exacerbate many inflammatory diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, rheumatoid arthritis, and inflammatory bowel disease. They go on to say, in conclusion, the unbalanced dietary consumption of omega-6 to omega-3 is detrimental to human health. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. And that little snippet of research is just the tip of the iceberg. Here's a statement from researchers at the National Institute of Health. They say the billions of dollars that we spend on anti-inflammatory drugs such as aspirin, ibuprofen, and acetaminophen is money spent to undo the effects of too much omega-6 fat in the diet. Guys, this isn't like, this isn't just some person in their parents' basement slinging around wild nutrition claims. These are highly respected researchers at the National Institute of Health and the Biosciences Institute in Ireland. So here's the thing. If you think about it, what, what the National Institute of Health is saying, let me repeat it just in case you missed it. The billions of dollars that we spend on anti-inflammatory drugs such as aspirin, ibuprofen, and acetaminophen is money spent to undo the effects of too much omega-6 fat in the diet. So they're saying that we're we're, we're forced to use anti-inflammatories like aspirin and Tylenol and Advil to undo the junk that we're, the junk that's happening because of the diet that we're eating. So if you think about it, what, what's really being said in the statement is there's a good chance you will naturally have less pain and need less anti-inflammatory drugs if you eat less omega-6. And if you eat more omega-3, there's a good chance you will have less pain if you work to correct and balance out your fatty acid profile. Now, this, this phrase, fatty acid profile, is basically just a fancy way of saying which fats you're eating and in what proportions. 
Now, as we've said, unfortunately, the typical American or Western diet is super high in omega-6 and pretty dang low in omega-3. Now, you might be thinking, oh, man, I, I wonder if my omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is out of whack like Corey's talking about. Spoiler alert, <laughs> it probably is. We know from research that the typical Western diet, that's America, North America in general, it is really high in omega-6 and pretty low in omega-3. And once you understand what foods contain O6 and what foods contain O3, it'll all make sense. You can find high amounts of O6 in processed snacks, like chips and crackers, in processed and cured meats, like deli meat and pepperoni, in most fast foods, mayonnaise, and peanut butter. Well, gee, thanks, Corey. You just summed up about 75% of what I eat on a daily basis. Maybe that's not the case for you, but I know it's the case for a lot of Americans. See, sunflower oil, corn oil, soybean oil, and canola oil are all super high in O6. And the problem is these are cheap oils that have good flavor in processed foods. So food manufacturers and fast food restaurants cook with them and put them in nearly everything. That means for most Westerners, especially North Americans, we are eating a ton of omega-6. Okay, that's great. But what about omega-3? Might we also be eating a ton of that? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> we get omega-3 from flaxseed oil, which, by the way, you cannot cook with, and it actually needs to be refrigerated or it will go rancid, and cold water fish. So we see a trend here, right? Like flaxseed oil needs to be refrigerated or it goes rancid. And the omega-3s in fish come from cold water fish. So see, these omega-3s, I often like to say they're like delicate little glass figurines. Like heat can very quickly destroy them and, and render them useless for us. Now, you can also get small amounts of omega-3s from other foods, things like walnuts, hemp seeds, and chia seeds. The problem is... Most of those are just as high or higher in O6 as they are in O3. Walnuts, for example, have four times more omega-6 than omega-3. But they do have a little bit of omega-3, so oftentimes, like if you Google it, you'll see, oh, walnuts are a great source of omega-3. And then if you Google walnuts and omega-6, it'll say, oh, walnuts are rich in omega-6. <laughs> and if we already have too much omega-6, this gives this poses a problem, right? If we're eating a food to try to incorrect our imbalance between O6 and O3, a food like walnuts, and that food is four times higher in O6 and O3, then it's not helpful. So here's what we need to understand. Not all omega-3s or omega-3 foods are created equal. The ones, the omega-3 fatty acids that you get from fish are different, and if I might say so, far superior to the ones that you get from plants. Now, you guys know I love vegetables and fruits. I love plants. I think they're incredible, and you should eat them all the time. But when we're talking specifically about omega-3s, what you get from cold water fish is very different and, in my opinion, superior to what you get from plants. So let me, I know we're getting a little sciencey here, but just hang with me. The three main omega-3 fatty acids are ALA, which stands for alpha-linolenic acid, EPA, which stands for eicosapentaenoic acid, and DHA, which stands for docosahexaenoic acid. So we have three, ALA, EPA, 
and DHA. ALA is the one that's found in plants like flax, chia, and walnuts. The other two, DHA and EPA, are found in cold water fish. Now, all of these are considered essential fatty acids, which basically means your body cannot make them on its own. So you must get it from foods that you consume. Now, when it comes to ALA, the one that comes from plants, your body can take some of it and convert it into EPA and then keep working to convert it into DHA, the two kinds that we get from fish, but it can only do this in very small amounts. It's not an efficient process. Your body isn't very good at it. It doesn't like to do it. So understanding this, here is another statement from the National Institute of Health. They say, therefore, understanding this process of what happens with ALA in the body, therefore, getting EPA and DHA from foods and dietary supplements, if you take them, is the only practical way to increase levels of these omega-3 fatty acids in your body. In other words, if you really want to increase EPA and DHA, you, it's really, really hard to do. You almost can't do it through plant sources, through flax and chia and walnuts and things like that. So when we take all of this into consideration, basically we're in a very similar situation here with omega-3s that we're in with vitamins and minerals. We're just not getting enough. <laughs> At least we're not getting enough on a regular basis. And if we go back to who I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the tremendously well-respected Dr. John Berardi, he says the minimum recommended EPA and DHA intake is 900 milligrams per day, but the average North American gets only 300 milligrams per day. Guys, that's just one third, not one third of like, oh, what's the best amount? That's one third of the minimum, of the bare minimum, the minimum dose if we want to just survive and hopefully be and feel normal. This doesn't tell us if consuming more omega-3s would possibly help us thrive, not just survive, but thrive. Fortunately, there's a ton of research that's been done on omega-3s. And in this research, they've used what's called therapeutic dosages anywhere from four grams per day. Now, John Berardi just mentioned 900 milligrams. That is 0.9 grams. That's not even one gram. And in the therapeutic dosages that are used in research, they use four grams per day, all the way up to 30 grams. 30 grams is 30,000 milligrams. 30,000. So there's a huge range of really high dosages that's been used in research. And then here's the crazy thing. When you look through a lot of omega-3 research, there are therapeutic dosage recommendations to treat a ton of different disease states. I just wrote a few down as I was going through research. This is not an exhaustive list. I got tired of writing, but there are therapeutic dosage recommendations to treat everything from aggression to allergies, anxiety, stiff arteries, asthma, athletic performance, bipolar disorder, cancer, heart disease, COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, Crohn's disease, dementia, depression, IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, and obesity. <laughs> oh, to help, there, there's a therapeutic dosage that researchers have used in order to uh, hopefully encourage the body to lose weight. That's just to name a few. Like I said, that's not an exhaustive list. And here's the thing. We must remember, the issue is not only 
hitting the minimum EPA, DHA, omega-3 intake. The issue is not just about getting that 0.9 grams, that 900 milligrams. The issue is also balancing out our sky-high omega-6 intake with more omega-3. So yes, absolutely, we should work to reduce our omega-6 intake. But if you ask me, I think it's also a great idea to supplement with some super high-quality purified omega-3. Now, why do I think that's really important? Well, number one, because like we just established, most people <laughs> are getting about 300 milligrams per day, about one-third of the minimum, the minimum. And we've already established that omega-3s are, are pretty dang important from the, or excuse me, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is pretty dang important. And the, if we have a omega-6 to omega-3 ratio that's out of whack, it can really cause some potential health issues for us. But we've not yet discussed some of the possible benefits of consistently increasing your omega-3 intake, specifically EPA and DHA, the type that we get from cold water fish. So when you look through research, these are some of the possible benefits. Now, please understand, I'm not saying if you take omega-3s, all of these things are guaranteed to happen. No, 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 no. There's research that says these are potential benefits of consistently increasing your omega-3 intake. Number one, increased metabolism. That's boosted calorie burning. Number two, improved cardiovascular health. You know, like the important stuff, your heart and blood, <laughs> all that, all those sorts of things. Number three, the repair and regeneration of your body's cells. Number four, decreased inflammation. The big one that we talked about earlier, and this leads to potentially decreased pain in your joints and less damage to your blood vessels, which is amazing and also goes right back to improved cardiovascular health. Number five, proper immune system function. If you are deficient in omega-3s, there's a good chance your immune system is not functioning at its peak. Number six, optimized nervous system function and brain development, including possibly reduced chances of dementia and Alzheimer's, less memory loss over time, improved mood, and improved ability to concentrate. And let's not forget that some research also shows that omega-3s may also increase a person's sense of motivation. Hello. I mean, this, sound, <laughs> this sounds like pretty incredible stuff, right? So for me, the choice is really clear. I am going to consistently supplement my daily food with a high-quality omega-3 supplement. Just like I discussed in the last episode with multivitamins, it comes down to the risk-benefit analysis, the potential benefits that I will receive versus the possible risk. And it is a no-brainer for me. Is it a no-brainer for you? Well, only you or you and your doctor can decide that. Speaking of doctors, let me, let me make a very important note here. The omega-3s can and will interact with different medications, especially blood thinners like Coumadin. So if you take medication on a regular basis and you would like to begin taking omega-3s or increase your omega-3 intake, then definitely discuss it with your doctor or a PA or, or somebody that's very familiar with your current health situation and, and the medications you're on. Now, it is time for the world-famous, <laughs> sorry, couldn't help myself there, the world-famous but Corey section of the podcast. But Corey. Can I just eat fish, man? I mean, dude, I eat a lot of fish. Like, I, I got to be honest, I love some fish tacos. I eat a lot of fish. Okay, to answer your question, no. That probably won't work for a few reasons. First, the omega-3 content of fish varies greatly depending on a host of factors. 
number one, the type of fish. If the fish is really lean, like say tilapia, for example, if it doesn't have much fat, well, then you're not going to get much omega-3 fatty acids because there's not much fat on the fish, right? That's one thing. Secondly, it depends on how the where the fish was uh, sourced from. Was the fish caught wild or was it farm-raised? Because if it's farm-raised, it's fed a different diet, and that impacts how many omega-3s are naturally present in the tissue of the fish. Also, what temperature of water did the fish live most of its life in? You've probably noticed, I've said multiple times in this episode, we want cold water fish. So what type of fish, whether the fish was caught wild or farm-raised, the temperature of the water that the fish lived in for the majority of its life. And then that's just, that's just the beginning. Due to pollution, many fish are full of harmful contaminants like mercury and PCBs, like other heavy metals. So eating fatty cold water fish once or twice per week is probably fine from a pollutant perspective, but eating it every day might do more harm than good. And also the reality is you're, you're probably not going to eat fatty cold water fish every day unless you're an Eskimo <laughs> or you just absolutely love sardines, anchovies, and mackerel. Those are some of the highest sources of EPA and DHA. If that's you, great. Eat your sardines, anchovies, and mackerels. But there's really a good chance you're not going to eat it every day. So what's the solution? A highly purified, standardized omega-3 supplement with zero pollutants. And because it's standardized for EPA and DHA, you know exactly what you're getting. So I've already told you, for me, it's a no-brainer. I take one. Which one do I take? It's called Rise Elite Omega. Now, here's what's so important to understand. Omega-3s, well, they are one of the most well-researched and amazingly beneficial nutrients on the planet. But sadly, a lot of the crappy products that you'll find on store shelves will not deliver the benefits that I've talked about. Instead, they'll just kind of leave you with nasty fish burps. I like Rise Elite Omega-3 because I am 100% confident that it meets certain rigorous standards. And I'm confident of that because it's manufactured in an FDA-inspected GMP-certified lab. Rise Elite Omega uses only the finest, highest quality fish oil harvested fresh and manufactured under strict quality control standards. Each one of the little soft, it's like a little soft gel, you know. You guys have seen these before, I'm sure. It gives you 400 milligrams of EPA and 200 milligrams of DHA. That's more than double what most fish oil products are on the market. The fish oil itself is processed using one of the best purification methods available called molecular distillation. This is the only method that can remove heavy metals, PCBs, and other toxins to below detectable limits for human, human consumption. See, a lot of fish oil products don't use molecular distillation. They use processing methods that heat the oil to temperatures of up to 250 degrees. And rem remember what I said earlier? 250 degrees Celsius. Let me be, be clear. And they do that for six hours. And you remember earlier I said, okay, like <laughs> flax oil and fish oil, like these things are like little, you know, delicate glass figurines. Like they're really sensitive to heat. Now, on the other hand, molecular dis distillation, it takes only 45 seconds of increased temperature to preserve the quality of the fish oil and guarantees that no trans fats are created. The trans fats I mentioned earlier that are really nasty and it eliminates all of these heavy metals and toxins. Now, all of that is 
scientific and maybe it sounds great or maybe it just sounds confusing. But honestly, what most people love most about Rise Elite Omega is that it eliminates the upset stomach reflux or the dreaded fishy burps that a lot of people experience from other fish oil pills. I guarantee that someone out there is listening to this episode going, okay, dude, like uh, you're talking about all this great stuff about fish oil and omega-3s, but... I've tried taking them in the past, and I, man, I just burped up. I had like fishy burps all the time. It's a common complaint. But with this formula, it's enteric coated, it's odor controlled in a nice little soft gel, and it's easy to digest and absorb, and it eliminates those disgusting burps. I understand because I've been there two years ago. It's a triple strength formula with unmatched purity, and it's enteric coated for optimal digestion. That's why I take it, and that's why so many other people love it, and that's why it has a five-star rating on Amazon. But I don't want you to think that I'm just trying to sell you something. I started thinking about this after recording the multivitamin episode. I was like, okay, I've recommended one multivitamin. There's more than one great multivitamin out there. So here's the thing. Rise Elite Omega is not the only awesome omega-3 fish oil product on the market. But please know this. Whenever you purchase a Rise product, the two multivitamins I mentioned, Rise Elite Nutrients and Rise Essential Nutrients, or like I'm discussing today, Rise Elite Omega-3, whenever you purchase any Rise product, you're not only getting a fantastic high-quality product that I and my family take, but you're also supporting this podcast because it's a product that I sourced and I contracted with a high-quality manufacturer to have created. So, thank you in advance for anyone that chooses to purchase Rise products. That being said, I want to give you some other options. Here are some other great brands that I can confidently recommend. So, so when it comes to omega-3s, we have Nordic Naturals Ultimate Omega-3. It's a very popular brand. A lot of you are familiar with it. Uh, another brand that has incredibly high quality is Thorn, T-H-O-R-N-E, Thorn Omega Plus. Both of those are great products as well. And let me go ahead and do the same for multivitamins, since I didn't get to do that in the last episode. Of course, my favorites are Essential Rise, Essential Nutrients, and Rise Elite Nutrients. But if for some reason you want to purchase another brand, that's okay. I would recommend either maybe Vitacost Synergy Once Daily Multivitamin, or again, Thorn Basic Nutrients. Both of those are, are great, high-quality products that um, I can confident, confidently recommend. So I will include... Um, in the show notes today, I will include a link to the website, challengetorise.com, where you can find all the Rise products. I'll also include some Amazon links, just in case you're interested in purchasing any of these products. But again, as I said earlier, with any and all decisions about whether you should or shouldn't take a nutritional supplement, that is, up to, that is between you and you, <laughs> and maybe something that you should discuss with your physician. So I'm going to wrap up this episode. It's gone long enough. But we are going to continue this discussion about nutritional supplements because it's a very popular one and one that I think needs to be touched on. We will continue that in the next episode. And until then, don't think that just because we're not talking about weight loss on this podcast that you can let the scales run wild in your mind. Look, you are so much more than a number on a little machine, so don't let the scales dominate your day or dictate your mood or emotions or determine just what headspace you're in. No, 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 no. You're so much more than that. And losing weight, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. But losing weight is really about gaining life and living the life that you've always wanted to live. And I know 100% you can do it. 
And even if you don't believe in yourself, keep coming back. I'll keep working on you. We'll get you there. If you're new to this podcast, <laughs> those sorts of things are what we normally talk about. We normally talk about weight loss, weight loss methods and tactics. And, and really a, a large part of it is the mindset behind long-term successful weight loss and how we make those changes with our thoughts and our patterns and our habits. But we're taking a little a little excursion for all of these uh, supplement episodes here. So I hope you guys have an incredible day. Thank you so much for your time. God bless. Bye-bye.